Welcome to the Heart Hearth Earth podcast, where we gather around the metaphorical hearth to share ideas and conversations on matters of the heart, hearth and earth. Cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians where I stand, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people across this land. Welcome to another Heart, Hearth, Earth podcast. Uh, I've got a friend here, Anna, from Homegrown Healthy Living, who is also a Mid-North Coast local, Mid-North Coast of New South Wales. And Anna lives on acres with her beautiful family, has an on-farm business and is passionate about living a um, homesteading life and practising homesteading. Um, so welcome, Anna. Thanks, Shelley. I'm super excited to um, be here. I love listening into the podcast. So thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah, it's great to finally get you on here. We've been talking about the potential of this happening at a certain time for years. So it's so nice for that time to be here. Yeah. Um, so the, all of that is definitely what makes up um, who you are as a person, your family. However, you have an extra interesting element in your health and wellness journey, which has really informed um, the way you live and practice homesteading in your life. And also the book that you've recently written, which is really exciting. It's finally here, <laughs> birthed <laughs> alongside a baby, <laughs> literally. Um, so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your farm and family and how you came to write a book. Yeah, thanks, Shelley. There's quite a bit there, isn't there? Um, I hope I can kind of wrap it up into a nice little neat package to um, talk about it with you. But um, basically, um, our story starts with my husband, Peter, and I um, just always knowing uh, after getting together that we wanted to live um, on the land. So about nine years ago in 2014, uh, we came across a 10-acre piece of vacant property uh, yes here on the mid-north coast situated um, on the side of a hill so a very steep um, property side of a mountain completely overgrown uh, with no access to services you know things like uh, power and water um, we both knew it would be a challenging um, opportunity a challenging site but we had literally no money um, and it was really the only option for us and we wanted to get started so we we jumped jumped on the opportunity and and bought that piece of land and set ourselves up the the best we could here and we also had our daughter uh, with us at that time she was four Lacey and um, I guess that was kind of just the start of our um, new off-grid lifestyle which um, certainly came with its challenges in the early days and still um definitely does now <laughs> every new addition around here is is like um just a miracle for us <laughs> and we, <laughs> we've lived without some things like I mean running water took a long time and a reliable power and and all sorts but um you mentioned the book earlier that's um something that I've been working on for about a period of three years and um I go into all that um our journey starting out and um kind of where we've come from and where we're at now um in in there which I can talk about later 
But um, basically, uh, I'd been working as a beauty therapist uh, since I'd left school, so that was very different to the life we live now. And Peter had worked uh, various jobs, um, all different kind of things, but he's always had keen interest in aquaculture, permaculture and uh, regenerative farming. So we didn't really have a plan uh, when we got here other than trying to kind of make ourselves as comfortable as we could. Um, But we knew we didn't have long to figure out how we were going to make some income. So um, it was pretty random, but one day I was um, searching on Gumtree and I came across a commercial um, compost worm farm for sale. It was super run down. All the infrastructure was really old. Um, The turnover wasn't great. Um, It had contracts to a large um, hardware chain, which was, um, I suppose, the incentive to, to jump on it. But it certainly wasn't a sure bet and we had no experience um growing worms but we decided we'd uh, take on the challenge and figure it out as we went along so uh, we purchased a commercial compost worm business Um, so life just kind of became a mix of trying to set things up here on our property to be somewhat comfortable and also create uh, a new enterprise Um, keeping in mind too that we had uh, no flat land or um, infrastructure or you know water or things like that to actually help us um, grow these worms so after lots of trialing and failing and readapting, um, the business slowly grew um, as demand for worms um, became more and more, just as people, I think, in the last uh, few years have become even more environmentally conscious. Um, they want to start growing their own food and, and gardening. Um, so they're thinking about setting up their home worm farms and therefore where the just add worms. Um, So the business kind of has grown with us um, for us to kind of figure out what we're doing and also to develop um, our property to be able to cater to that market. So we've done um, lots of uh, earthworks uh, with terracing the hillside and also constructed uh, some large capacity uh, dams, which is pretty exciting. Um, So from there, really, you know, our early days spent here were pretty full on. Um, We were working really hard and meeting lots of new people, soaking up all their knowledge and starting new hobbies. Um, We had, we got a bunch of animals. We bit off way more than we could chew. We had no infrastructure, no fencing or um, anything really to um, house these animals properly without causing us extreme stress um so yeah things were a bit crazy in the beginning before we kind of worked out um how to peel it all back and and uh create these systems that were self-sustaining and actually um, achievable for us on a daily basis um but it was after a couple of years of kind of living that way in 2016 was actually three months before we were due to be married Um, Out of nowhere, I was starting to experience some strange symptoms like um, dizziness and crashing into doorways and um, numbness on my tongue and a bit of my face. So um, to be honest, I pushed pushed them aside for a couple of weeks before I thought, I better do something about this. So I went to the doctor, long story short, had an MRI and was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. Um, in case you don't know, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease um, that attacks the central nervous system. So it does have the ability to cause um, 
severe disability. So it, it was a pretty um, scary diagnosis at that time. Um, and uh, I guess the journey, <laughs> the journey from there is, is kind of what's become our story, how we've, um, I suppose, handled that diagnosis and how we've used living on our homestead to aid my healing journey and also for the resilience um, and future health of, of our family. So, mm. yeah, it's, um, it's quite a story and it's, it's pretty involved, all the little um, intricacies. I mean, it's like um, even just uh, seeing those neurologists in the early days and kind of going with those motions of, okay, you've got multiple sclerosis um, and here's uh, 10 different brochures for different medications that uh, you can check out, have a look for yourself and see what you think might suit <laughs> basically um, lifelong medication um, immune suppressant therapies um, to hopefully uh, there's no cure for ms uh, no said cure and these medications are um, formulated to slow the progression um, of the disease and they're, they're lifelong and they do have some side effects so all that was just way too much for me to process um, at that time and also we knew um Peter and I knew that we wanted to expand our family and, and have a baby. So um, some of those medications were apparently safe for pregnancy, but that just was, was something that we decided not to do. So um, it was a pretty simple decision at that stage to not um, start on any of those therapies and um, have the baby, which is now our Elkie, who's five, and um, have my breastfeeding journey with her, which was a period of about two and a half years. So basically that bought me um, three years of, of no medication where I really just kind of had to go into myself and think, well, well, what was important to me and what made the most sense to me to the way to come at this was, well, what, what is the root cause here? How, how did I find myself um, in this situation, um, you know, rather than just going to to what the neurologist had wanted me to do and that was, you know, to, to take that medication without kind of exploring um, those thoughts that I, that I was having. So, yes, having the baby and, and the breastfeeding journey allowed me to kind of really just sit with that and um, kind of determine how I'd got here um, because it was quite a big shock um, and and what I could potentially do to, um, to, to make it somewhat better. So from there, um, it really didn't take too long <laughs> to actually be honest with myself at that point and um, kind of come out, so to speak, that I had an addiction and it was an addiction that I'd had for a very long time from basically my early adolescence, um, particularly when I started to make my own money very early at, I don't know, about 13 years of age and kind of make my own decisions somewhat with that money. And uh, the addiction might not be what you're thinking. Um, with sugar, there's just absolutely um, no no other kind of way to to sugarcoat it. It's uh, it was <laughs> and and process um, an absolute addiction to just running off uh, nothing but um, sugar. So that that was my life, really. Um, even then, in those first few years here on the property, I brought that with me. You know, I was growing some food, and we were living on this homestead, and life was good. But at the end of the day, it was what do we need to do to get the work done? 
um, a block of chocolate would um, would sustain me for that day, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little piece here, little piece there. I'm not going to stop and bother to kind of make myself anything. Uh, that's just, you know, how it, that was my habit. Um, so delving into that and really kind of, um, you know, deciphering, well, where did that come from and, and you know, what was I going to do about it? Um, just that realisation of such a long period of time where my body had just been starved of nutrients um, plus the mismanagement of of stress because we were under quite a bit of stress particularly in those early years we'd taken on a big project um, and we we actually there was a lot at stake um, and we really didn't know what we were doing and we failed a lot that was stressful um, so yeah for me it just made a lot of sense and everything kind of just fell into place that I was undernourished um, I think uh, I, I learned about leaky gut. I had I had no idea about a lot of these things. Um, you know what what we put in our in our bodies. You know our, our stomach lining that um, can be compromised, and then all of a sudden, you know these poor food choices that we're making um, are all of a sudden ending up in our bloodstream and causing uh, widespread inflammation, and therefore um, triggering uh, immune response. So kind of discovering all that researching learning um getting support from people like um Lydia from um Internal Instinct that you had on the show um Mm. and our wonderful um local GP who really is kind of taking me under her wing um we all kind of just sat with it and acknowledged that actually I I hadn't made myself a priority um ever (laughs) really so it wasn't just what I was putting in my mouth it was kind of like why am I not you know making making the time um, to look after me so once I kind of sat with all that I I actually wasn't surprised at all that I'd been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease Um, it made a lot of sense to me Um, and I was almost well relieved that I'd kind of come to this realization because I really felt like I could um, do something about it and not just do something about it but um, have it kind of alter the course of my life Um, and it has done that now with um, you know the realization that oh well we do live on this homestead and we've got all this opportunity to grow our food and um, you know be somewhat self-sufficient and connect with community and um all these different opportunities for um, healing um, were right here available to us, even down to the fact that being a commercial worm farm, we have an abundance of um, worm castings or vermicompost, which is the amazing byproduct that the worms um, create for us in humus soil. Um, so that's just a really rich grow material that we can grow um, healthy, nutrient-rich um, vegetables with. So um, that was kind of uncanny the way that worked out as well, that um, we, we even kind of had that input here that, that would support my health and, and the family too. So from there, um, I have been on a journey, a root cause journey of um, nourishing myself, our family. I've completely um, immersed myself into anything homesteading. Um, I just love uh, learning new things and taking on new hobbies probably still a little bit too many um, different things at certain times. Um, But we kind of have, I suppose, cracked the code a little bit in what works for us. And that is that we 
you know, we know we can do a couple of litters of pigs a year and um, have our own pork. We know that we can grow um, two batches of Cornish cross meat birds throughout the year and that gives us um, a full freezer of uh, chicken for, you know, 12 months' time. And um, the veggies, then they're, they're a bit hit and miss sometimes. I'm not an amazing uh, vegetable grower. I'm not going to say I've completely sustained us with our veggies, um, but I try my best and I really do focus on the things that I know will be um, extra beneficial for our health, um, particularly mitochondrial health like um, leafy greens and um, things that are really rich in vitamins and minerals. So all that takes a lot of time <laughs> and I don't always get it right. It's taken me a long time to, I suppose, um, learn and trial and fail and readapt the systems. And that's kind of where the book came in um, three years ago then when I started on this new lifestyle journey of prioritising my own health um, to, um, yeah, to, I guess, try and reverse the MS. I mean, that's that's kind of been my mission that basically if, um, if I'm feeling well and I'm not um, progressing and I um, aren't having any relapses that that's the way that I will go I'll continue on um, a diet and lifestyle approach um, and you know I can always change that if if things in my situation change but for now that's what our family focuses on so the book was about um, I suppose just documenting um, that journey of what were some of the things that really um that we do, you know, we um, make sure we've always got bone broth in the um, fridge and freezer. There's a constant supply of that. We prioritise um, fermenting. So we've, we've always got sauerkraut on the go because we know um, that's just something really important that we need to have on hand all the time. Um, liver, that's another big one. Um, it's kind of three things, sauerkraut, fermenting, um, liver, and um, bone broth. If I've got those things going in the in the fridge for myself, um, I know I'm right. Um, liver is really important for us. It's super nutrient rich. Um, we make great use of that from our um, chickens that we process, and I'll often eat that with um, in a pate or mixed in with some mints. And that's a great way to actually feed it to the whole family without kids knowing um so that is the theme of the book it's about what um, we do here on our farm for for my health journey and our family's you know um, overall wellness but also um kind of our stories woven into it as well so our off-grid lifestyle and all the little ups and downs that we face each day challenges to overcome um, and how other people can i suppose implement these strategies um, at their place um, no matter where they live, um, whether it's a small suburban backyard or a large property, um, there's always something we can do to be um, to to live a healthier lifestyle, and work towards um, self sufficiency and and providing things for ourselves. Mm, amazing! What a story. Even though I've heard like a lot of it, just hearing you. Um, relay it here and especially I think after writing your book how yeah how you piece that timeline together and really clearly explain it it's, it's quite powerful um, I can't imagine that shock when you first got the diagnosis and then the resilience all along the way is what's coming through to me not only from you and your health journey but together with Pete and your family like 
the ups and downs of farming and especially like you said like you, you both chose something especially challenging jumped right in um didn't take the safe route of going and getting jobs but like jumped into a business as well so yeah amazing resilience there it's quite a testament to um staying really clear on the vision and I think like you said the last 10 years or so so many more people have gotten interested in homestead life self-sufficiency permaculture that sort of thing by realizing that the system of the daily grind and the general lifestyle that comes with that is just not working for people on so many levels, physical health, um, financial, mental health, and people are looking for something else. And then the last few years with the pandemic, even more, it would be so interesting to see the stats on how many people left suburbia or urban areas onto property because it's been huge. So many people have left city areas and there's so many more off-grid Facebook pages and that sort of thing. Um, so how cool that you can put all of these years of knowledge into a book that would help people from so many different angles, even though part of your story has been MS, it's an autoimmune condition and there would be so many overlaps for people, other people experiencing health issues, autoimmune or mental health. There would just be so many overlaps, I imagine, with the changes in lifestyle and um, learning about our bodies and health and nourishing them that would help so many people on so many levels. Hey, it's no surprise that when it comes to health, nutrient-dense foods are my priority. However, let's be honest, we don't always get the balance right. So when it comes to supplements, I like to use whole foods too. My kids and I have been using Saturay's liver and oyster capsules alongside the Greener Pastures cod liver oil for quite some time as a way to support our immune systems and ensure we keep our A, D, E and K vitamins up. You can check out my affiliate links in the show notes as a way to both support this podcast and yours and your family's health. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more too about how um, pregnancy has been for you and how that can actually be a positive thing for MS. Is that right? Yeah, that is an interesting topic. Um, so I've had two pregnancies now. Actually, yes, um, I've just had a new baby, a little boy, River. Congratulations uh, again. Pretty yes. exciting. He's only four weeks old, everyone. Not even, not even four weeks old. Four weeks old, that's right. So... <laughs> Three three children, now, a thirteen year old, five year old, and a four week old. So um, it's it's quite a, um, a dynamic. Um, oh, now I've got baby brain. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the baby. Yes, and <laughs> I mean amazing it's, that you are here on the podcast four weeks later. <laughs> so well done. <laughs> They're, they're just all, you know, uh, require different things. They're at such different stages. But it's great because, you know, everybody's kind of pitching in and that's, you know, that's what we do. Thanks for acknowledging that. Uh, we do all make a great team, obviously, my husband and I. And, um, 
and yeah, we we kind of just worked together to to get the job done. Um, so yeah, um, with having three children, then so uh, Elkie's five and River, of course, four weeks old. So that's two pregnancies um, since I've been diagnosed with MS. So it's kind of a known thing that um, pregnancy, and I don't want to speak for everybody. Obviously, everyone's situation is is different. I probably should clarify also that I've been diagnosed um, with what's called relapsing remitting. Um, MS, okay. which basically means that um, I can potentially have a relapse, um, so a, a symptom of some sort, and then that symptom will in time, whether it's, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or however long, uh, will actually repair itself. Um, okay. And I will recover from that. Um, but potentially that can also not happen and I, mm. I may not recover, but um, that's when it kind of moves into that secondary stage, which is secondary progressive MS, which is is very nasty, um, and you just don't get that recovery. So, um, yes, I have relapsing remitting MS. So with the two pregnancies then, um, surprisingly, uh, pregnancy is actually quite good for MS. Um, I believe it's all about the immune system suppressing itself automatically mm. um, to kind of, um, I believe, keep the baby so you don't actually, you know, kind of your body doesn't rid yourself of that early pregnancy. Um, it, it has to kind of protect itself. Um, so I, I have heard that the MS medication, if they could mimic whatever that was um, in pregnancy, that um, suppress the immune system, that that's what they would try and treat MS with. Um, All right, interesting. Yeah, there's like a mild immune suppressant activity during the pregnancy, like you said, not to. So the body doesn't reject the baby, um, which is why sometimes in pregnancy women can be a bit more susceptible to colds and flus and things like that. Yeah, but um, has a function, and then yeah, so interesting how that then crosses over to autoimmune issues because that's. The autoimmune is the overactive immune system attacking something. So then that suppressant activity, yeah, in theory delays it, I guess, or that, slows it down. Yeah, that's right. So it is very um, interesting. And, I mean, I was feeling well um, leading up to pregnancy anyway, so it was a little bit hard to um, kind of determine whether that was mm. true. I didn't, I haven't relapsed. So, you know, I guess that's good. Um, but the, the issue is, is that um, about six weeks postpartum, um, once you've had the baby um, in that kind of period afterwards, those hormone levels drop and they drop quite drastically um, and quite fast. And that's kind of almost assured that um, if you're going to have a relapse, it would be at that time. It just is enough of a trigger to kind of set things off. And that was the case um, with Elkie. So she's five. So it was five years ago. I hadn't really kind of um, committed to this lifestyle at, at that point. And um, that rang true. I had um, a terrible um, relapse where my eyes were affected. I had what's called optineuritis, which means there was a lesion or an attack on the optic nerve of both my eyes. And um, I had blurred vision and, you know, there was a question mark there as to whether, um, you know, I was going to be completely vision impaired at one point. So um, luckily um, I managed to, with the help of steroids, bring down that inflammation over a period of a couple of months and I did regain um, full 
uh, eyesight. However, that was around the time where I thought, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, I need to do something here. I'm, I'm progressing and I can't just stick my head in the sand anymore. I had already been diagnosed for, um, I think, 18 months prior to that. And after diagnosis, I kind of just had this, I suppose, mentality of, oh, well, I've been diagnosed, but it won't be like that for me. Um, and kind of just pushed it aside and kept doing what I was doing. Um, so it was really that moment that, um, you know, my, my eyesight had come under threat that I thought, um, you know, I need to make a big change here. Mm. Yeah. So now, of course, with River being um, four weeks old, um, I'm kind of coming into that danger period where those hormones levels are going to start kind of balancing themselves out. And um, perhaps I suppose the point is, is, after quite a few years now, this is probably the most dangerous time for me. Mm. Um, and I'm, um, to be honest, quite looking forward to seeing, um, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> to, to kind of, um, to seeing, you know, how, how well my, um, wellness is going to hold up to this. Um, yeah. And obviously I'm kind of, um, dosing myself up on anything extra I can, um, to get me through this danger period. And I'm confident I will, I'm feeling well and, um, you know, taking extra rest and, um, just, yeah, focusing on that nourishment, but, but it is a risk at this stage, um, that that could potentially, um, cause a relapse for me. Mm, yeah, that's huge. And it's great. You're feeling confident that you've put in the hard yards and you've put in so much time and um, dedication to your health that I guess this is like an ultimate test and to fit, go in feeling confident rather than scared is quite powerful considering the mental and emotional hurdles you've had to jump from diagnosis and then wake up calls along the way. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you go and are you doing anything extra to lead up to it or are you just sort of trying to maintain this healthy lifestyle because it's already a lot people don't realize when you're having to like make all of your own well, you're farming as well so you did all your own chickens and then when you're making all of your own pate and sauerkraut and trying to grow some food and vegetables and herbs um it is a lot it's really fulfilling and you can make time for it but it, it is yeah uh, when you've got a new baby it it's a lot on the side of that. <laughs> and even the kids so, a bit older. Yeah, it, it absolutely is just in any circumstances. So, yes, I'm, I'm certainly not um, going to <laughs> um, sugarcoat it like that because, yes, you're right. I think, um, you know, it's all about the planning. And for me then knowing that, you know, I was going to have a new baby, I kind of rallied everyone around and we kind of made up, you know, big batches of things to kind of get me through um through this stage and I always do as I said earlier um you know there's not always things in the garden or you know I'm not always perfect you know I slip up here and there or for me slipping up is actually not eating that's that's my kind of thing I'll think oh no I can't be bothered or I don't have time I'll get something later Mm. So as long as I've got those three things, um, my three staples of bone broth, the sauerkraut and some form of liver something um I feel good to know that, well, you know, I've nourished myself with something um, that yeah. works for me. And part of it, I think, is the mental thing as well. You know, you beat yourself down because you think, oh, no, you know, I ate that or I didn't eat enough of this or or whatever. So as I said, I just know I can kind of rely on those three things to, I suppose, pick me up if I'm down. <laughs> mm. 
but you're right it does take a lot and um you know we can only just do what we can do and um I think just plan, plan for things, make big batches of things, um, ask for help. Um, in the early days, um, most of my friends know how to do these things now, but when they didn't, um, you know, we'd all gather around and kind of, you know, share that knowledge with other people and that would be like a, we'd have a big session of making sauerkraut or whatever so it sort of lightened the load and we all got together and everyone took a few jars home type thing. Um, so that's a really good way too to kind of um, – you know get help to to make things up in larger amounts yeah to do the batch batch cooking and batch making and it's really habits it's like making it yeah um a habit that you like we make time for anything else um around our house and our lifestyles to make time and make that a habit that you yeah every and couple of months make a big batch of sauerkraut okay, that's right that's done. Finding too, you know it's it's taken a long time longer than I would have thought um nine years here where I've actually really kind of starting to sink into the seasons as well because a lot of these things are seasonal too, like, you know, the cabbages in the garden or even, you know, a bit cheaper at the shops. Um, you know, that all kind of comes at different times during the year. So you kind of make the most of it while while they're on um, and then you get that bit of break because you've already kind of, you know, made the most of the harvest. Mm. And it might be, you know, we're moving closer into another season so it's chicken time so all of a sudden we're processing them and putting them in the freezer or um yeah things just seem to happen at that same time every year um even down to netting the fruit trees uh, the weather changes a bit and um summer you know the weather starts to get hotter and I think oh no it's getting hot I'm gonna have to find those fruit tree nets so you know we can throw the fruit trees cover them from the birds and I, I can tell I don't like that job uh, <laughs> You know, all these things that just pop up every year and you think, oh, really? Is it that time of year already? Um, so, yeah, I guess. And that's actually what I really love about this lifestyle is it's so unpredictable. Things just change all the time and, you know, you never know what's going to be the thing that day. Um, but it's quite constant as well. Um, it's, there's actually quite a routine that you get into when you, I suppose, start to live by the seasons. Mm, yeah, and a beautiful thing of feeling connected to the land and the seasons and that familiarity and and there's sort of an innate wisdom that you absorb over time when you're in one spot for a certain amount of time and then from a practical point of view like you're saying once you get to know those seasons you can try <laughs> to become less overwhelmed because you're planning by that so you know okay this is coming up well, I won't take on too much extra until that's done or I've got to start getting ready for X, Y and Z. The chickens, we're going to be processing. Okay, let's, you know, clear our schedules a little bit around that time and instead of um, trying to do everything all at once, understand that it comes in its own timing and um, seasonally. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you've laid out the book so people can get a bit of an idea about, um, yeah, the layout and what's in there. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, the book's called Homegrown Healthy Living and it's full of uh, practical skills, recipes and projects um, for anyone really, anyone that's prepared to kind of have a go of, of something new um, and with the focus of nourishing, you know, their, their mind, body and spirit. Um, and kind of my, my tagline, I suppose, is small changes can um, make a big difference. So, you know, no matter where you live, um, this type of lifestyle is, is really available to anyone. 
um, you know, even just growing. I spoke to somebody the other day and they said, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I, <clears throat> I harvested my first cucumber. <laughs> and in my head I thought, oh, great, you know, <laughs> one cucumber. <laughs> yeah. It, it was so great. Like the excitement on her um, face was just, just priceless. So, um, yeah, to think that, you know, a book like this could inspire somebody to just put a couple of seeds in the ground and be so excited about one cucumber um, is is really amazing. So how I've set it out, it's in seven um, chapters. I start with um, kind of our homestead journey. That chapter is called Our Homestead. And that's just a bit of an overview of where we come from, um, how we've um, designed our property um, for abundance and resilience. Because um, you both have a background in permaculture too. That was part of your inspiration as well. Am I right? Yeah, more so Pete. Um, yeah. He definitely um, studied permaculture for a long time but never actually had the opportunity to apply, you know, any of it to his own context. So coming here and having this challenging piece of property um, has been a, a real test um, for him and, you know, some things work, some things haven't. Um, but It's definitely a challenging piece of land, having visited a number of times. It's very, I'd just like to emphasise that for people listening. This is extremely challenging but now actually really abundant <laughs> it is and you know what um and I talk about all this in the book of course in this yeah. chapter but um it's actually really resilient too it's had to withstand as we all know um drought fire floods, yeah and it, it has really tested our resilience in in every way and and really held up but I suppose not just that too it's also highlighted um things that we can um, readapt or introduce to you know further that resilience mm. but yeah lots of our family stories kind of you know our how we you know live our lives and um, some about our chickens about our um, dairy cows we got some um, dairy house cows on the property and that's been a really lovely um, experience with them they're just about to have their calves in the new year so Awesome. Yeah, a whole new journey milking them. Because I met them as calves. You did. I think yeah. they were, yeah, only a few weeks old. Yeah. Uh, prior to having the um, calves come on the property, we had we tried dairy goats. I thought I was going to be um, an award-winning um, cheesemaker with my beautiful um, designer goats. But as you're reading the book, that went horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the stress came from, the goats. Right. Yeah. Um, so we we swapped out for cows. Um, yeah. and my experience with bees. I've had a wonderful journey um, introducing beehives here on the property. Um, that's kind of become my thing. I really enjoy um, beekeeping. I get a lot out of that. So I share mm. my experience with that. Is um, Chelsea still coming out? No, I've graduated. Oh, well done. It's been a few years. I <laughs> might get her on the podcast yeah. too. So. Yeah, that would be awesome. Fun. She's great and, yes, would highly recommend her mentorship. I mean, that's just a testament to her to say that she was able to come um, for a period of oh, just over six months and support me um, yeah. on the journey and now I'm confident to um, manage my, my own hives. So that's great. Amazing. So the second chapter is about um, uh, like life by design. So it's living by nature. So that's where I've included things uh, like how to live by the permaculture principles um, for household resilience, um, all our information on composting and worm farming, step-by-step -step guides there, heaps of pictures, instructional um, pictures to um, support what you're doing. 
Um, next chapter is in the garden. So it's a bit of a celebration of um, the things that I love to grow, some garden tips, grow guides. I've got a great guide on there about um, growing your own microgreens at home, which that's something that anyone can do um, no matter where you live. Mm. They're super nutritious as well for such a small little um, thing. So that's um, in the garden, chapter three. And then um, chapter four is um, food as medicine. So that's where I've included a lot of the foundational recipes that have really been my pillar of support um, to good health. So they're, they're pretty basic, but they're the things that I just come back to every time um, that can be tricked out however you like. Um, but really um, those staples, like I was saying before, with the broth and the, the liver um, that really are nourishing for the whole family, they're all gluten-free and dairy-free as well. And then the next chapter is a whole chapter on um, fermenting. So that's got um, how to make sauerkraut, step-by-step guides and um, a whole other um, list of fermented products. And that was really inspired by Sammy from Fermenting Australia. She's a wonderful wealth of knowledge um, in this area and she really has taught me a lot when it's come to fermenting. So I was so pleased to be able to include that in the uh, book. And then uh, the second... Sammy was on the podcast too back, I don't know when, maybe... I'll find the link to that. Oh, <laughs> Sammy Jaco. Yeah. I'm so glad the listeners got to um, hear from her because she really is such an amazing person with so much knowledge to share. Um, and then the second last chapter is um, all about natural homemade products, so um, low-tox or no-tox products that um, you can make with things that you probably already have at home for your home and body, things like beeswax wraps and um, lip balm and um, other natural products. And then the final chapter I kind of just put in there um, because it's, really important to me um, and I suppose I haven't touched on it in that as much as you know this uh, off-grid lifestyle and um, eating well and all that is wonderful um, for me and I'm sure many others it's also about your mental state <laughs> um, and self-care prioritizing um, prioritizing yourself um, so you can fill your cup and, and give from the overflow so that's what this last chapter was about you know how can we be more mindful each day what are some strategies we can use to really kind of nurture ourselves um, so that we can um, you know be there for others the best we can without burning out so there's lots of ideas in there um smudging making herbal eye pillows um uh doing yeah smudging ceremonies and um just just living more mindfully so that's a bit of an overview of the seven chapters it's um it's from my heart to yours <laughs> it doesn't get any realer um I've been very honest about our experiences and I guess what's kind of worked for me and um yeah our outlook on things and and how not everything has um always gone to plan that's for sure <laughs> mm. and I think that's that's even more inspiring when you get the real raw side of things because um, to take on like big changes in your lifestyle and a homesteading life. There's so many fulfilling things and there's like the rewards definitely outweigh um, what you might need to sacrifice or the struggles you might have creating new habits. But there is challenges along the way and there are things and to be really realistic about that and to maybe use those challenges as 
growth points and to build resilience and and I think that's really where that more spiritual or self-care mindfulness side of things comes in you need you need to be able to foster that I'd love to hear a bit more about how your thoughts on that with the mindfulness side and the the spirit I don't know if we can call it spiritual but emotional mental well-being because like I it's so true we can do all of the things with our physical health as far as food nutrition activity but if we're missing that piece of the puzzle of some something greater and something deeper or our emotional mental well-being we're always going to be trying to look and I think sometimes even though health physical health is really important that other side gets left out um sometimes just because it feels hard we're busy but I'd love to hear just before we wrap up and um, you tell us where everyone can find you and I pop those links in the show notes a little bit about um, how you feel that's contributed to your wellness journey with MS. Yes, absolutely. I agree with um, everything you just outlined. And <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the, the pigs get out and everything, you know, just goes to shit basically around here. And <laughs> there's so many jobs and you've got to, you know, you're running around in mud trying to get pigs back in. And <laughs> you've got kids with all different needs. And <laughs> um, you need to find your inner calm. Um, and you know, all jokes aside, that's one of, that was one of my things. I found it really hard to find, to find that place. You know, it was like any new thing that happened was just like a hot, you know, dumped on top of something else that had happened the day before. I, I sort of had no way to, um, uh, reset, I guess, you know, kind of just think, okay, well, this has happened and we've learned this from this and now, you know, let's breathe a new energy into it and come at it a different way. Pete's always been very good at that. Um, but for me, I, I just kind of took things on, I suppose, a little bit too much and um, it was making me sick. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And also um, with having two girls, um, you know, they observe me and how I handle things and, um, you know, if I'm kind of already up to here with whatever's going on, obviously, you know, I was um, probably not being the the best person I could be for them as well. So I kind of just had this realisation of actually what can we do as a whole family um, to kind of um, just be a bit more mindful as we go about our day. You know, we try and uh, make time for spending time as a family but in mindful ways. So, you know, we'll walk around the property and kind of um, – you know, just, just take notice of what's actually happening around us. And um, that could be after a really stressful um, situation, you know, that's happening. It's just like, okay, family, we're, let's just go on a bit of a nature walk and just reset or or whatever it is. I mean, that's just a very obviously basic way to come at it. Um, that's kind of how I start the chapter. It's just like, oh, you know, this is kind of how I got here with this and as a base, um, this is what we do. But um, then as I started to kind of explore, I suppose, this topic uh, a little bit deeper, I came up with um, some rituals that I found really interesting, like the smudging. Um, I think that's a really great practice for the girls and I to do. We do it quite often where we are seasonal as well when the herbs are all um, on, like the mugwort and sage and lavender we love to just go around the garden spend that time together and um you know pick those herbs and and bundle them up together and make our smudge sticks and um kind of have that ritual together where the girls get the opportunity to kind of you know release anything that's on their minds or that's troubling them and do as well and so um yeah just creating 
um, opportunities for myself um, to fill my cup um, and also having that connection with the kids as well um, has been I suppose that's where I'm at with that in that um, spirituality, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Just, yeah, being more mindful and making the time as much as, as we said, sauerkraut's important and and bone broth and, you know, moving pigs and doing other things. Um, Actually just kind of doing these things where we can just connect with each other um, and I suppose have that opportunity to express what we're feeling, where we're at with things and how we can kind of breathe new air into what we're about to do next. Because otherwise, um, for us, with the, the way we live our lives, every day just rolls into one. Um, one job rolls into the next. The list is just, you never get on top of the list because it just, there's something else that goes on, on again. Um, so that's been really big for me to have to kind of overcome that and go, you know what, there's actually no, it's all about the journey <laughs> and stop looking for some sort of end destination where everything just, you know, stops um, because that's just not the case. And how can I kind of take these little moments of, um, of calm where I can just sit back and whether it's through meditation, I talk that, about that in the book, and um, just kind of really appreciate, I suppose, what we've done and, and what not what there is to do um, and just kind of, I suppose, use that as my inspiration to move forward. But I wasn't able to do that until I was able to find some inner calm within myself to really kind of um, expose what's really there and that is that, you know, we've ch- achieved a lot and we um, we love spending time together and, um, just enjoying the place we live rather than um, sometimes always falling into the trap of feeling like it's just a never-ending to-do list. Mm. I, I hope that answered the question. I don't know if it did. <laughs> oh, it totally did. It was beautiful. No, it's really beautiful. And it doesn't have to be – it can be simple. It can be as simple as going for a walk because really it's just about regulating and this is the biggest thing I've learned on my healing journey and similar like wanting – to heal for myself but also to be the best possible um, example for my daughters as well and teach them these skills is that we're going to have stress points in our life and so it's really about how you regulate back to a place of more groundedness, centeredness, calm after that, how you can regulate yourself and then obviously teach our kids to regulate too. So it's really beautiful. I'm sure there's lots more in that chapter too, but it can be so simple. And it was something I was never taught either. I mean, that was that was the whole thing. It was just never kind of expressed to me in that way. And I, I do believe, you know, it's just another factor that contributed to, you know, my diagnosis as well, not being able to kind of um, relax on myself. and. Mm. And way. even check in and that awareness. So you're not to be able to relax to stop and you know, like nourish yourself. Exactly. And that awareness of like checking in on your body to go, oh, been running on like not much today. Maybe I should, yeah. I think yeah. a lot of us can relate to that as well. I think more people than, than they like to admit actually. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And to, you need that constant practice because it's not just a once-off realisation. It's a constant habit of checking in every day and going oh have I nourished myself am I like going a little bit too far without um giving myself a breather or some nourishment that's exactly right it's not just a one-off thing it's a it's a constant yeah yeah I'm teaching our kids yeah I don't think many of us were taught that as well so what a powerful thing is we're we're trying to 
you know, evolve and create a new culture as we've like realized areas and gaps in our culture that aren't serving us. I was like, well, what, what is like, what do we replace that with? And it's a, it's a big picture and it's so many things it's health, but there's also definitely that connection with each other and mind, mindfulness as well that we maybe didn't, most of us didn't grow up with, didn't get that example. So we're trying to recreate it, which is exciting, but um, huge as well. Well, that's so beautiful. It's really, really great to hear all of that from you. And, um, yeah, it's so much in that book. It's a big story and, and quite holistic as well, like a holistic picture. Yeah, thanks for allowing me to um, share our story. I've enjoyed having a chat and, yeah, and outlining the book. I'm super proud of it. Um, it's, it's, as I said, it's from my heart to yours. <laughs> it doesn't get any realer and it's been quite the project. So um, I've birthed two babies um, this month, a book and a, a real baby. Yeah, uh, phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, meditating, <laughs> basically. <laughs> being mindful for the month um yeah <laughs> I need to come get a copy and um what was I gonna say yeah it's you should be really proud of it I remember like back in the beginning you we were saying well really I'm just gonna start out by it's almost like a journal just documenting it and then it evolved and changed over time into a book to share with people so it's so exciting to see that come to fruition um so let people know where they can find you and the book yeah sure so um definitely check out my website it's www.homegrownhealth.com.au so you can um, grab the book on online there Um, but there's also lots of um, resources on the website lots more about our story so definitely check it out if you want to learn more about what we're doing and yeah I'd love you to buy a copy of the book um I would yeah be very grateful for your support um it'd make a great Christmas gift too actually it would I'm going to try and get this out soon (laughs) yeah Christmas is so close that's the thing um and yes uh follow me on um, Instagram homegrown healthy living and also I have a wonderful um Facebook group homegrown healthy living um that's got quite a few members now and lots of people are sharing some great things I try and um share a lot of what we're doing here on that page um homegrown healthy living the group um so I'd love to see you on there and um yeah I think I said Instagram website um and that's about it Cool. I'll pop all those links in the show notes too. And then um, do you have a biz for the worm farm or it's more just the contract for? Uh, yeah, we do actually. So we sell worms online. That's yeah. another part of our business. So we um, ship worms all over the place. So that's at wormbiz.com.au. There's also information about that on my website. Um, oh, but cool. Interested in um, grabbing some worms. It's actually a great time to start Um worm farming again it is um dry <laughs> um yeah so um uh, we'll ship worms out to you straight to your door no problem awesome thanks so much anna and i'll pop all that in the show notes all right thanks shelly so great to talk to you and um hopefully we can catch up soon Thanks for your energy and time listening. I hope you gained something from this podcast. All the links from the show are in the show notes. Please share with friends and family if you think there may be something here for them. Till next time, many blessings.